bit of an honor system too because it's like have you done it when you when you don't when you have the limitations in place that we're probably gonna have with ashes right the the limitations are you you know you're not linking achievements more than likely you know there's i mean people might have that ability and that may be a thing but you know working under the assumption or at least the thoughts that you're not going to have these types of elements in place to make those decisions much like you want the add-ons in place to help carry some of the weight you got to pay attention to raids you got to pay attention to mechanics and the templates and the animations and all those different things hell maybe even the dialogue i'm charging my fireballs we need to interrupt him you know what i mean The Pathfinder and his companions had arrived at the Colossus. It seemed to be in the center of a forest, and from its feet spread a desolate glade. This place seemed to be untouched by time. The ground appeared freshly scorched, and the statue was towering overhead deep in its slumber. Although the figure appeared familiar to them, there was not one among them who could recall the name of the sleeping giant or the craftsman who created it. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I am your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg. I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinders. Welcome back, Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also, welcome back, Half Tilt. Hello, friends. How is it going? Oh, it's going good. It's another Pathfinder Sunday as opposed to football Sunday. I was watching the Cowboys down on my brother's TV earlier and they didn't seem like they were doing too good. It's a little feels bad man moment, but it's fine. I don't watch a lot of football, but if I do, it's the Cowboys usually. It's like it goes back to being a kid, but we're not here about that, are we? I'm just curious who else likes the Cowboys, I guess. Look, man, we've got plenty of things in the internet today. Shenanigans as always, Pathfinder discussion plentiful i'm sure before we dig in too far i do have a good got to give a big shout out to the home of this podcast over at asheshq.com the community curated website for ashes of creation also a shout out to all the imperial flames who are the supporters here on twitch youtube and patreon thank you so much for keeping this community's flames bolstering greater week after week we had several people that resubbed as we went live so thank you very much friends i really appreciate that also um yeah you want to leave a message for us to share here on the show, you got a couple options. One, you can go over to iTunes, you leave us a five-star review, tell us how we're doing, leave us a comment there, and if you do, we'll read it live on the show. You can also call into 1-539-664-6801, and if it's appropriate, we'll play that message here live as well. You can also leave some mail to our Pathfinder Grunt, who will get it to us sometime over at ashespathfinders gmail.com. Friends, let's catch up for a little bit, shall we? How's your week been, gentlemen? Uh, not too bad. Yeah, I just uh, got some New World in when I did game. And yeah, just kind of doing the work thing. But yeah, overall, it was a pretty good week. Right on, man. Have to tell. How about you, man? Uh, it's, it, it's been a busy week. Uh, busy busy with work. Um, but it, but mm-hmm. good busy. Good busy. So definitely nothing bad there. Went and picked up my bison last night. I had to take the ferry ride. It was, it was good all-day event yeah good thing i bought a new freezer man holy crap that's a lot of meat yeah you went hunting i believe right for a couple weeks there you were you were out hunting 
That's right. That's right. And yeah, so super stoked on that. Excited to uh, get nice. grilling and smoking some jerky and whatnot. Nice. Uh, been playing a little bit. I actually downloaded ESO. I started my first character. Ooh, uh, really? I put nice. a couple hours into it. And I, I, I don't know if it's the character I really wanted to play yet because I wanted to be a character <laughs> with a bow, but it didn't. I, I don't. I didn't really know from the starting characters which one used a bow. They all seemed like they used other Any things of them. or did other things. So that that's kind of what I was getting at. I, I went to the dual wielder one, and I was thought, you know, maybe I can dual wield, do a little subterfuge, play a ranger assassin mm -hmm. hybrid type thing. I don't know. I don't know what the game offers. I like going into a new game blind like that, though, without yeah. any preconceived notions or expectations. But I do know where to go when I need advice. <laughs> and that's all I got to say about that. There's a certain YouTube channel uh, made by one of the gentlemen sitting oh, flanking God. me here. And um, yeah. <laughs> So oh, I know where to go when I need information, nice, nice. but for the most part, until I get stuck or, or it's, it comes to a point of like, man, I really need to know what to do with all these points. So I don't totally <laughs> screw my character over and have to re-roll with like level 50 or whatever. I don't even know what max level is. It could be 30 for all I know, but yeah. Anyway, so when I get some more time, I'm going to put, put a bit more into that because I really want to get into the character, the, the story and the yeah. writing um yes you know you guys talk it up huge and yeah. now that that writer happens to be the now writer for this game that yes. we are all so passionate about mm -hmm. uh, i kind of want to get a feel of, of the style a little bit and you know who knows who knows so yeah there yeah. it is Hell that's yeah. what i've been doing nice and, and trying to you know still trying to play a little bit of rocket league here and there just to kill some time but yeah nice 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 you know, I've actually been uh, playing a lot of Elder Scrolls Online, been actually playing a lot of Fortnite lately, surprisingly. Um, I've been really enjoying it. I play with, like, my fiance and her kids. You know, it's kind of like the end of the night thing, you know, kind of hang out, kind of like, you know, do that do that stuff and, and chill out, do those things. But we jump on there and have fun. Um, actually do really good. Actually do really good, um, surprisingly, for someone who I felt like, the only times I kind of get like clapped is whenever someone uh, outbuilds me because I'm just not, you know, I don't play it like religiously or anything. So I just hop on, have fun, do really good. But if someone outbuilds me, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of screwed. <laughs> but they're usually like building so fast that, you know, as they're building, they're also shooting me 3000 times. You're like, the... this guy's a bot. Not really. Not really. They're just better. They just play a lot more. They got the you know, skills are probably also like five years old or something, but it's fine. Um, but, you know, aside from all that, man, been working on ESO HQ, been tinkering around with Ashes HQ. I got two websites to keep me busy. Um, I'm actually kind of stoked, man. Uh, I've, I've slowly been building a, a YouTube audience over on my main one now, which is because uh, some more used to be the where this show went. And now it's just renamed Ashes HQ, got the ESO HQ one, got... Um, the main one, which is Samorg HQ or the Samorg channel now. And I'm actually like pretty stoked, man. Um, I'm approaching a thousand subs on there already. And uh, apparently I unlocked the uh, community. I unlocked the community uh, feature where you can kind of like talk, you know, you can post comments and all that stuff on there. And which I'm not sure. I think maybe it's coming to everybody soon. But I'm not 100% sure if that's accurate, but I'm pretty stoked because like I'm getting close to hitting a, a thousand over there and the, the ESO one's growing slowly and consistently too. I've been working on synergizing it all and, and everything. So pretty stoked. I actually have a uh, a video coming real soon. Um, I have two videos for Ashes coming soon. Uh, 
got one on social works coming and I've got one that's ashes HQ and you just like the trailer um, for the actual YouTube and, and everything. So been doing a lot of a brand work and like synergizing, you know, everything across all the things and everything. Haven't been playing new world. Um, but dude, if you end up playing ESO and you're chilling out, like you'll probably catch me on there. A pretty good amount. Um, there's actually a seasonal event coming up, I think on Thursday, this coming week or whatever, which is like their, uh, Halloween sort of like vibing one, which is cool. Cause I like, I like to check stuff like that out in games because, um, I feel like it's a good reference point. You know, that World of Warcraft has them too. Um, Guild Wars 2 had stuff like that. I think those are always really cool reference points for Ashes because whenever we're, you know, whenever we get to Ashes launching, they they plan on seasonal events too. So it's going to be interesting to, you know, because I'm sure in typical Intrepid format, they're probably going to pull people's, com you know, community feedback and thoughts on like, what are some good? I would be shocked if we didn't have a dev discussion on like seasonal events down the road where they basically pull people's thoughts on seasonal events and like what they like, what they don't like, et cetera, and kind of take that and kind of incorporate it into the game later. Um, now, I mean, obviously they've got the glorious gourd competition that's coming up right Ashes, right? And, you know, if you all don't know about it, it's, it's going right now. Um, I don't have the dates on hand because they, you know, we talked about it last time. So refer to previous episode, but it's still going. I'm curious who all in the community has been carving away at this. Like there's clearly like a bunch of coarse hair gear up for grabs, including a seat, mice, keyboard, a lot of old ashes merch. So we call vintage, uh, you know, vintage merch is essentially from back in the olden days with the old Phoenix logo and stuff like that. We've got alpha keys for alpha two that are going out. So there's a lot of stuff and things on the table for, the gourd competition. I myself, I'm not going to be doing it this year. Um, oh yeah, there you go. So half tilts holding up the hat. There you go. The button back. Yeah. The snap back hat. Yeah. So, um, you autographed. know, yeah. Is that one autographed? You know, yes, it is. you know, I've actually been contemplating, oh, awesome. you know, cause y'all know I'm moving to New Zealand down the road, right? Like, so Sims got to get rid of his stuff. I've got, um, some stuff and things back there behind me. From last year, remember? I had the World of Warcraft. It's like a tabletop game. Pretty hefty. There's the Gloom... Is it Gloomhaven one? I think is what it's called. Gloomhaven. A tabletop. I haven't even touched those. And they're both signed by Stephen Sharif. From the uh, from the donation, the charity event they did last year where we raised $10,000 here. So we ended up getting a bunch of stuff and things. Got alpha keys we gave to people. But we got... I got some of those. And those were like an added bonus for me, essentially, for like doing it but i'm realizing i don't know if i'm going to be able to like shipping to new zealand's expensive so i might be doing something to like i don't know do a giveaway to like give those away to people in the ashes community or something or at least one of them kind of spread the love share the love a little bit maybe um so i haven't i haven't quite decided but i might do it around you know i might do it around the event coming up the charity event they have planned for november where they raise money for extra life and everything I might do something where we, you know, do something similar to last year. I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to do it this year or not, um, just because of my own time and energy. And I got some other things on the agenda, like personal life stuff I've got to work on to prepare for a bunch of things on my own agendas coming up this year. Um, but I have been contemplating doing something to give one of those away before I, I do move um, next year sometime. So anyway, if it's something that interests you, stay tuned. Um, 
but I am curious. I want to know who in the community has been planning on doing a glorious gourd comp. Have you gentlemen planned on doing it? I do no? not have the <laughs> skill required in order to successfully do anything. I could probably barely carve out some teeth in a pumpkin, <laughs> let alone do some of the glorious stuff people have submitted. Uh, so oh, geez. I'm going I'm to pass this year. My artistic skills are lacking, but I hope in the future when there's less um, uh, craziness going on with the dev team, that they do bring back something along the lines of writing. I think that mm-hmm. was a really fun addition um, in the first couple of years they were able to do it. But in talking with the community manager, um, they definitely, um, they definitely, uh, you know, are, are just don't have the bandwidth to do it this time. Yeah, I um last year I did it and I went and made a goblin, one of the goblins, little gobby, right? And um I I was okay, how can I say this? I did a good job, right? But my good job was jack shit compared to some of the people that entered. It looked good. I thought it looked great. People even agreed it looked good, right? And then you take it and you look at other people's and you're like, fuck this, I'm not doing this next year. No. dude uh, yeah that, that's i i did my whole carve mm-hmm. on stream and everything last year and it was fun you know i had a fun time doing it on stream hanging out there was a lot of good laughs and jokes most of them at my expense <laughs> but i will go out and on a limb and say i did the best pumpkin carving i have ever done and i thought it was pretty good i tried to do a face with a beard but the beard was the phoenix with the wings going up yeah and, and, and I thought I did pretty good. I did a good job. I didn't screw it up, which I was really nervous about. And then the contest came out, the results. And we got to see all those things. And I just <laughs> had to tuck my tail between my legs and walk away. Like, Same. there was things in there that I didn't even know were possible Yeah, with a pumpkin. Yes. Like some just absolutely incredible. Yeah. The, there, there's the one on the preview picture with the dragon yeah. wings kind of going around the pumpkin like it's mm-hmm. a, thing, a, a a globe or whatever. And yep. I was like, what? How do you do that? So yep. I'm like, all right, you know what? We got Dremels at work. I'm going to steal a Dremel next year, and I'm going to carve the crap out of that. Well, I don't work there anymore, so I don't have access to the Dremel. I'm not going to go out and buy a Dremel just to get a keyboard or a mouse. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to take a, a pass this year. I've already got the Alpha 2 access, so I'm, I'm not too, too worried about that. And I've got the same keyboard that I've had for the last decade and a half. And a generic Microsoft keyboard, I freaking love it. I hate mechanical keyboards. Mm-hmm. Two big buttons that are clicky and all this other stuff. This is nice, low-profile, smooth presses. Still works great. And I just bought the MMO mouse, so you know I've got all the key bindings that I could want. And Ashes probably isn't even going to utilize half of them. Dude. which I love. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of that versus the WoW style where you've got 4,000 buttons that you got to press. No. Man, my boomer brain can't handle that. I, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. No no glorious gourd contest for me. I thought nope. I just looked at the digital picture and I'm like, man, nah. <laughs> nah. Yep. For the time and energy that I'm going to have to put into this, nah. Yep. I contemplated it and I quickly decided against it because of time and energy dude I, I think probably the digital entry would be the entry i probably would have a better shot with but i think this year i'm just gonna well 
I'm already in alpha anyway. I've been alpha since freaking alpha zero, dude. I'm, I'm, I've been do I've been playing the game the whole time. I mean, I could I do it to get a key to give away, sure, but you know, there's plenty of other people that you know w could go for it. And I think people better for them to go in and enter, earn it on their own merit, not have to worry about a, a streamer that's gonna you know kind of like potentially get it to give it away for them or something. So um, yeah, good luck everybody. But I am curious who else might be entering, and if you've got some ideas of what you're planning to do as you enter like what your your goals and your aim is for. Obviously, there's a lot of different factors that they're weighing in on that we shared again last week. So you can go over to their, uh, you know, uh, you go look at Twitter. You can go to the Ashes of Creation website, you know, and if you don't have it and you're here in chat, there's a link right there. And yeah, I know it looked like the referral link, but the referral, all the referral funds from my link go right back to you also. I don't feel bad about posting it any time. Friends. Also, just FYI, mm -hmm. last year it yeah. was like a something that you could actually ride. It was like a pumpkin sculpture that, oh, you, that the right. girl sat on, right? Oh, that was right. the one that won last year. So anybody that's new and and hasn't been around <laughs> since last game year, there, there's your FYI. Yes, and, and I, I don't think we have an image of it on hand right no. now. But there's a certain mount that's really a hot topic in the community. It, it, it's called a snorse, and, and I don't know. I don't know if it would win, but it would win in my books. And I know, yeah. I know another content creator yeah. in the Ashes community who is a huge, huge fan nice, of the Snores. So, um, yeah, if anybody has a pumpkin farm that they have that access to that many pumpkins, do it up. Make yourself a Snores, pop your butt on that thing, and snap a photo. Don't forget your name card, dude. I'm gonna tell you right now, man. That thing was ridiculous. And I was like, wait, they could use multiple pumpkins to do this? I thought... Anyway, I was like, nah, it's cool, man. I think it would be cool to do a snorse with a, with a pumpkin head. Like, you know? Like, with, like have the snorse body and then you just have a pumpkin head. <laughs> it's like a real simple pumpkin head. <laughs> like your typical jack-o'-lantern. You know? Oh, look at all this in chat. Whilst naked? Z? One of the Ashes of Creation mods saying whilst naked? What just happened? Interesting. Friends, why don't we uh why don't we have we've got a dev discussion today to chat about. We've got some of our conversation we said we'd pick up on from last week. Um, talk about crafting and some of those things, but I'm gonna go ahead and link this forum post right here of the most recent dev discussion. So you get in a bit of an idea. Now, if you're listening to this or you're watching it over on YouTube and you're going, where's the link, Sim? Guess you should have been here live, 5 p.m. on Sundays, right? Every damn week, like clockwork. 5 p.m., is that EU? No, it's CDT, man, CST, here in the U.S. Like clockwork. Every Sunday. You miss out on certain things you just don't get to see. If you listen to it specifically, you just you don't get to see the things unless you have your eyes on it. It's a very different presentation. But we are talking about the dev discussion over character inspection. This one. This one. Oh, this is a good one, right? I'm going to go ahead and pose the question for everybody real quick. All right. Dev discussion on character inspection. Intrepid Studios poses the question for us. What are your thoughts around character and gear inspection, particularly as it relates to settings and options? Should you have the option to allow or disallow others from inspecting your character 
why or why not? Now, I have a follow-up question on this as well. Gentlemen, no particular order. Jump right on in. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I think somebody said it. It might have been in the community um, that if you have an option to turn it on or off, that most people will just have it off. So I don't know that that's really like an option that I would want the dev team to waste their time on. Um, at least as like a toggle. Yeah. I do like the idea. Um, and something I think I had mentioned of having an option where like you can set it. So it, if somebody tries to inspect you, you can either allow them or disallow them in the moment. Um, that, however, does require a lot more intervention um, to do that. And then one of the things that God mm. EQ back in the day used to do is you didn't have an option to turn it on or off, but you would know when somebody's inspecting you. Um, it'll say like, you know, Samorg is inspecting you and like text in the chat. Um, so I'm personally, I would rather that that not be an option regardless um, just because, I mean, at the end of the day, this is very core to the gameplay is a PvP game. Yeah. And you want, I mean, me personally, I would want to have a little bit of mystery to like what I'm running as a build. And I think it would be interesting as well to have that same for an opponent. Just because if you kind of know what you're getting yourself into, it in some ways takes the fun out of it. I guess for me it does. So that that would be my opinion. I would rather that they not necessarily have an inspection option. Uh, and if they do have it be like something you can maybe in the moment say, okay, this person wants to inspect you. Do you allow it? So that way, maybe your friends, you can allow to do it in the moment. And then anyone else, you're like, I don't trust you. So the answer. Then you also get the hint when that sneaky rogue is stealthing around you and getting ready to gank that they're trying to inspect you to see if uh, they have the upper hand or not. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I, I never thought about that. I never thought about having a chat notification that someone or a specific player is inspecting you. I do like that. Um, yeah. I, I will go on the other side of the argument. I think a toggle is a, I, I like that idea um, for for exactly two reasons that you just mentioned is I want to be able to allow certain people or at in certain times, people to be able to expect, inspect me. It might be something that really helps to put a group together. Um, if you're a group leader trying to make sure that you're putting a successful group together, that someone isn't vastly under geared uh, or something like that, being able to turn it on in an environment like that at your choosing to just let anybody around inspect you to do it. So you don't have to sit there and do a bunch of um, accept notifications. Whereas if I'm out in the open world doing my own thing or roaming around in a small group doing a caravan defense or something like that, I absolutely am going to disable it because I don't want somebody to inspect me and think that, oh yeah, th this guy's an easy pick and so I'm going to engage. Especially in an open world scenario, if I'm out just gathering or questing or roaming around, I don't want somebody to just come up and be like, Hmm, am I am I going to gank this guy or not? I can't quite tell because I, I am hoping that there's going to be a good visual component. And they've mentioned this before, too, about having the different icons next to your nameplate about the type of gear you're wearing, the type of class you are, um, and, and even uh, an indicator of the 
the average rarity of your gear. I don't know if I'm a huge fan of the icons as much as I would rather just be something that's kind of visual. We've talked a bit about auras and things like that in the mm -hmm. past as well. Yeah. I would like to see that like legendary gear should have a certain visual look to it that you could just tell like that's a legendary piece of gear versus an epic piece of gear versus a, ma a rare piece of gear versus a common piece of gear. We, I mean, we already know that the, the modeling of armor in this game is, is going to be excellent, but giving it something a little bit extra that you can tell if you're close enough that, Oh, this is the rough rarity of the gear that they're wearing. I don't want to give away what my potential abilities are, uh, what I've specced into or anything like that. I think that's crossing a line. Um, but the general makeup of my gear, the gear level of it, I think I want to be able to toggle that on and off if I'm going to allow people to inspect me or not. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea a lot um, with kind of just giving maybe a general idea. I mean, you could probably see weapons people are carrying think the armor might be a little difficult to do just because some people might want to wear a cosmetic that you know they spent money on and they may or may not have an aura with that or not but i do like maybe like an icon or something that feels like a good compromise to me um i think as well i guess one comment i'll make about gear score i know that has been something that i go back and forth on personally because you could have somebody that's at a somewhat lower gear score that still has the skill to do certain content um, that, depending on who they're grouping with, potentially get locked out of that. So that's the only maybe um, downside to that is that if you do have like skilled players kind of maybe playing with strangers versus playing with a guild that might know, you know, their skill level, mm -hmm. it's, it would be a little more difficult to get around that. And I kind of find that to be where some toxicity comes into play. Um, that's not to say that, you know, there shouldn't be minimum requirements for things. I mean, that that is just, it is what it is, right? You need to have a certain level of gear to manage content. But when it's a gray area, it, it does make it a little people tend to exclude versus include in those scenarios if you don't know the person. And that's where some of my, I would say saltiness comes from. Wow. Mm. Um, that people are always looking for players that, um, and this actually happens in other games too, that are way over leveled for content. So yeah. they can have an air quotes, easy run. Who you're in or they carried through themselves because they are nowhere yes. near the gear score that they're advertising. But right. since they're the ones putting the group together, they think they that, that they get the benefit that way and get to go through it. Honestly, I think that's going to be as long as any form of gear inspection exists in the game or gear scoring exists, that's going to be a thing. That's a community yeah. gamer thing. Yep. Um, for exactly what you said, people just want the easy run and prove you've been here and done this before and you can come. So as long as those systems and that information is available, that's going to become a thing in those public groups. But this game is also very community focused. So hopefully most people won't have to get into those pug uh, situations too much. Mm -hmm. Agreed. This is a good point too. So I think that there's like, I think in, from my experience in like World of Warcraft, for example, the, the big issue is like, 
it's like, where do we draw the line on like being able to inspect, right? Because you, we already know, and this kind of ties in something that Alfina mentioned too in, in the Discord, which was in our Discord. So if you want to check it out, like you post your thoughts in our Ashes discussion area. Um, and, you know, it said that, you know, so in the new dev discussion, people are in the forums are saying to have a toggle. Um, she said, I don't think it should be open world PVP. If it's toggled, majority of players will have it turned off anyway. One suggestion would be to have it as a guild perk which I think could help uh, work to help players in the guilds uh, getting the right gear for stats to play style. Um, that's an interesting idea. I, I do want to kind of like come back to that in a second. So in World of Warcraft, the, the issue a lot of the time was not always, but a lot of the time, because you can still inspect gear, see what gear someone had on, and that'd be your decision similarly to like what, uh, you know, Half Tilt's talking about. But there is this like culture of, if I'm going to pug a group, I'm going to put something together. I'm going to try to bring people in that are overpowered for it so that I don't have to worry about, you know, working for it a lot of time. Or another uh, mention from Z in chat here was, you know, someone must have the uh, achievement. For example, ahead of the curve, World of Warcraft is a great example, right? If you don't have ahead of the curve, people won't even let you in. Well, there is like this dynamic that happened, if you remember, uh, and I remember this happening all the time. Every time you wanted to get into a group, right? You had to have ahead of the curve. But here's the catch. When the content first dropped, nobody had it, right? So what ends up happening is in order to pug that, initially, if you got in right at the, at the marker, because there was a period during Legion where I just pugged everything, you had to get in right in the beginning when it was fresh and live, to get in there with some of those groups that could do it successfully to get ahead of the curve. And then after a few days, they wanted ahead of the curve already. If you didn't get in in that window and achieve that, you weren't pugging anything, right? You There was a very small window of opportunity that you were gonna get into a group without having it. So then the culture ends up being whoever was in there simply first in a group that got it already has a sense of false sense of prestige of achievement when look the real talk is that achievement just means you're in a group and got the achievement that doesn't mean you necessarily on merit pulled your weight and there's the problem when you're looking for that like achievement or item level someone could have crafted you the gear or again you could have just been in a group where you got carried and got it or bought a run you see what I'm saying? So the, the 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 issue is with being able to inspect and see item level or being able to see gear or achievements is if that's your primary determining factor to let someone into a group, that's a problem. Because it ends up bringing what I believe to be or view as a, a somewhat toxic culture around pugging in general. Now, Good point. Log based is different. Someone's got a parse. Someone's running a parse, but the thing is, Ashes isn't going to have add-ons, right? So where do we kind of draw the line? Now, there are things like another thing Alfina mentioned in, in our Discord under Ashes discussion was something that the team talked about, right? You're going to have certain things, buffs and things of that nature that are going to be viewable when you hover a character right? Or you click and you sort of are like looking at them in the distance or whatever, you'll be able to see that. That doesn't indicate the things we're talking about here, which is, you know, inspecting the character and what they're wearing. So why or why not? This is tough because 
if if you're looking at gear to like like you know like Alfina had mentioned on the the element of guilds right if you can expect a guildy and you make this a perk related scenario then in this context it doesn't really it, it overall shouldn't although it probably would in some scenarios have that toxic sort of element of well you don't have this or this it, it serves more of a purpose in that scenario because now i can find out what my guildy has they could be like hey let me inspect your gear. Let's take a look at your gear. Let's take a look at it. Find out what you got, what you don't got. Boom, I take a quick screenshot or something like that. You know what I mean? It, it helps with the sharing of information. I think being able to allow it and choose when you can allow it is probably very important because like Half Tilt said, well, if, I, if I'm stealthing around as a rogue and I can inspect you and find out what you got, then I, you know what I mean? Where's that risk reward element then? Mm-hmm which is a core, you know, feature Tash as a creation. So I think within limitations and what the limitations should be, that's kind of the question I pose for the community. Like Alfina said, what do you guys think? Is that a, is that a good idea? Like where you sort of draw some lines on inspection, keep it more as a perk for guilds, keep it as something that maybe will piggyback off that. Maybe only if you're friends, can you inspect? And even then do you choose to toggle it or not? So that way, like Cap Tilt said, you can view it or not curious what your thoughts are do you guys have any like follow-up thoughts on that though i know i kind of rambled on i had to get it all out there no no i think it makes sense sim i mean honestly now that you know we've had a chance to talk it through i wouldn't mind an option that's more granular than like the binary on off i would like you know friends guild mates to be like a toggle option um and i think in that case right it would I mean, there would be some fine tuning. People might want to let their friends or if they want to toggle it on when they're asking a guildmate for help with their spec and their gear. I mean, I think that that to me makes sense. Um, but I think generally people are going to be like anyone else, you know, they can ask, but I'm going to no. say no. Because <laughs> um, at the end of the day, like this is a competitive game and it's it's more competitive than most people are used to like playing wow per se in terms of like pvp i mean there is definitely a pvp element in wow but it's it's somewhat disconnected from the core gameplay it's it's always felt to me like attack on than anything else um so so in this case like since it's so integral to the game i i do agree and and i i Definitely, um, you said it much more articulately than I did. This is a risk versus reward game. And if you don't know what you're going to get yourself into and then you find out, that to me is more of a rush if you succeed than, okay, well, I know exactly what gear this guy has and this is how I'm going to counter it, et cetera, et cetera. It's that thinking in the moment that really, in my opinion, drives the adrenaline rush of getting, you know, getting somebody down in a PvP scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, that, it's so important because that risk reverse reward element is exactly what the game is yeah. built around. Like that's one of the pillars, you know, and being able to know exactly who you're going up against before you engage them, before you choose to engage them, yeah. takes that away entirely. Now, I do want to play a little bit of devil's advocate here for a second and pose another point. I remember playing WoW Classic, we'd go into Molten Core and, you know, we tried to do it as a guild run. 
but there wasn't a night that we were always able to get 40 people together. That's four, 40 people's a lot to coordinate yeah, time and effort to. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to sit those 40 people down for several hours and dedicate to something where everybody's focused. Now, there was times that we went in there and maybe we were, we were rushing to get in there. We were last minute. We're scrambling to find the last few people. So we just took whoever we could get. Then you start to get halfway through a run and it's like, why is this person so low on the damage meter? Why is this person so low on the healing meter? And you go and inspect them and they're wearing a bunch of like green items or um, <laughs> uh, trinkets that are there for their mount speed. It, it, it has nothing to do with their character. And a lot of times it was just a, hey, can you, you're wearing this trinket, maybe throw on a, a different one. And it's like, oh shit, yeah, I totally forgot, didn't realize. And then they throw one on. But you wouldn't have that information if you did, didn't have an inspecting thing. So, you know, that, that can mean the difference between success and failure for 40 people who have just sat down for a few hours of their night to play a game and try to conquer some content. Being able to inspect can actually be very beneficial in that, in that degree. So how do, you, how do you incorporate an inspection system that allows people to you know, not, maybe not necessarily min-max, but to just make sure that you're not wasting their time by being able to expect, inspect them versus having this elitist culture of everybody needs to have full purples and oranges. Uh, otherwise, you can't come run with us. Well, I'm wearing blues and greens, right? How mm -hmm. do you take that that elitist culture out of the game but still have the system in there in a way that is beneficial to people? and, and you know, somebody mentioned uh, in chat earlier about not showing any stats or anything like that, but just showing a very basic uh, piece of the gear that you're wearing. Yeah. You keep the stats and everything, especially since crafters are going to have the yes. ability to, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a slider or or what the, the scaling is going to work, Stat but they're going to be able to customize your stats mm -hmm. a little bit to a degree yep. for your class and, and preference. So being able to not show any of that just no toggle option nothing is just not there so that you can get a rough idea of what this character is wearing but you can't tell exactly what they're doing you don't exactly. know what because that is could be a huge indicator to what their build is and what their stat allocation yeah. is yeah you know with secondary augments and everything being a, a big part of your power in this game gear only making up about 50 yep. percent of your power yep that can give that can be a huge mm -hmm. tell you know like <laughs> you want your poker face to be strong don't show the stats that's that was the thing i was thinking too as you you were you were talking about it was like if you just see the gear that gives you enough of an idea of what how someone's equipped but it doesn't you know give you an idea of like what their stats and their skills are because keep in mind they talked about skills we don't know what that means yet but stat blocks skills these are things that can be, you know, adjusted or even like allocated to gear. So if you don't show those things and you still are just working, you still have limitations. I think if you can set limitations so that you can view maybe what the gear is, but, you know, you get a very limited perspective on what that is, unless someone shares that information with you themselves. I don't know. It's a tricky scenario because it's like, where do you kind of draw the line, right? To where people are like, well, this is useful versus it's not really useful enough. So why have it? Kind of goes all the way back to where we started with this conversation and Dayla's talked about, you know, why don't waste the resources on it if it's not going to really have good, if it's not going to be useful, it's not going to really have a good purpose. 
um, other than somebody can kind of take a screenshot for you and share, share the same info if they wanted to. It is, is it tricky though? I think, yeah, overall it's that toxic element, you know, I mean, I go back to risk versus reward. Should you know, should you be able to know what someone's wearing if you're going to fight them? You know, I mean, even if you think about it, there's a bit of a risk versus reward scenario to pugging too. Absolutely. Who are you pugging with? Do you want that? Do you want to have to be able to get, you know, a full scope of what the person's capable of? Cause there's like a bit of a roll of the dice that kind of goes into that when you pug a bit of an honor system too, because it's like, have you done it when you, when you don't, when you have the limitations in place that we're probably going to have with ashes, right? The, the limitations are, you, you know, you're not linking achievements more than likely, you know, there's, I mean, people might have that ability and that may be a thing, but you know, working under the assumption or at least the thoughts that you're not going to have these types of elements in place to make those decisions, much like you want the add-ons in place to help carry some of the weight. You got to pay attention to raids. You got to pay attention to mechanics and the templates and the animations and all those different things. Hell, maybe even the dialogue. I'm charging my fireballs. We need to interrupt him. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's a good I'm charging my... Anybody ever watch that old World of Warcraft video about what EverQuest and World of Warcraft and talk about the little gnomes and oh okay anybody there's a really good a one it's, I'm gonna have to show it he's like I'm charged my fireballs don't do it Jimmy I'm charged my fireballs it, I'll have to find it I'll, I'll link it in variety it was hilarious it's really good to watch but um yeah I think uh I think that element of risk is important and if we're not gonna have add-ons and stuff I don't know is it sort of in the same domain what does everybody else think that's listening um, I'm really curious, man. You know, there's, there's a lot of different views on this and a lot of people have different, different thoughts, different feelings about it. You know, definitely want to understand different people's rationale. Um, cause I feel like this is one of those things that kind of falls into the similar domain as like add-ons and, um, things of that nature, those things that, you know, uh, kind of like add to a person's being able to identify certain things that otherwise would be a mystery. You know, for example, person's DPS, things like that, character gear. Which brings us to another discussion point. What a perfect segue into talking about the importance of crafting, the usefulness of crafting, gathering, uh, provisioning, things of this nature, and how this uh, works to the benefit of the overall world and Ashes of Creation. Because trade's important and influential right? Uh, gathering, having resources. I mean, whether you're talking about having your own marketplace, like a stall, a player stall in a city, if you're talking about caravans, if you're talking about theory crafting gear and doing exactly what we just mentioned, right? The stat blocks on gear, right? Some of the player agency held by the crafters themselves, potentially skills on gear, again, held by the player crafter themselves. Um, combination of that with you know things that drop in the world and and the reality that the best gear in the game right we talked about legendaries a moment ago as well too which i made a note on that a visual look a visual look to legendaries i think that's yeah i think that would be a beautiful thing right we've talked about in the past like degradation of gear um the need of repairing gear we've talked about things like cooking and the potential of there being a freshness uh, buff to, you know, buff food, for example. Um, these are all, uh, part of the, the bigger picture 
and discussion around gathering, processing, crafting, the relevance and importance that these things, the artisanship or the artisan classes have in Ashes of Creation. So I guess general broad question then, we're going to revisit now that we've seen some of the Alpha 1 test environment. We've seen some of that base, very rudimentary system of crafting and gathering, etc. Knowing it's not reflective of the system in game, but there was some pretty in intricate uh, features to crafting some of the really good gear, though. Like you had to unlock in a town, um, in a in a small town, you had to unlock uh, stage three node. You had to, the mayor had to unlock buildings, right? Resources would have to be gathered by citizens to donate to those buildings to construct them. Then you could go to the NPCs and you could purchase schematics. And the schematics had required materials to craft the gear. It was it was significant. It was I mean, if this is rudimentary, I'm, you know, very much a base level crafting system. I'm very curious to see what the uh, the launch version is going to look like. But yeah, uh, gentlemen, no particular thing. What do you want to see when it comes to crafting and how it impacts the world? Well, I would say for me, the most relevant like example of maybe a little bit of what I would like to see and also what I would not like to see has um, definitely been kind of my experience in New World. Okay. Uh, I kind of, honestly, I, I have viewed that from day one as a prequel to Ashes, <laughs> and uh, you know, sorry, sorry, Jeff, <laughs> but that's what how I feel. Um, and and some of the things I think they do really well, um, just like the specific way gathering is done, mm -hmm. I really like. There isn't like um, you know sparklies everywhere. It's like. I go up to a bush, I can gather a bush and get wood. I go up to a tree, I can, you know, use my logging axe to cut down a tree and get, you know, particular type of wood. I go up to a rock, I can get stone, etc. So I think that part of it is done really well. Um, I think in, in general, I, I like that way to keep the world from like feeling too much like a game and feeling more immersive. Um, what I like as as well, um, and it's something I didn't like and say like a wow, is there is some level of not keeping crafters slaves to RNG. Like I need to craft something over and over and over to make sure I get the right stats. There are things you can include in your crafting that actually allow you to specify a certain perk or a certain stat. So I think that's something that I would really like to see mm -hmm. um, just to kind of give one example. And then as far as things I don't want to see one thing um, new world does in uh, in some ways is it does create cross dependency, um, but it does it with refining resources primarily um, and base resources uh, to be able to level up crafts, but everyone can be a master. That's the part I don't like. And I know that's like, you know, not the vision that Steven has. So that's one thing that I'm really looking forward to being able to see. Because mm -hmm. when everyone can master the skills, it doesn't make for a very competitive market. 
I mean, at some point in the future, it is initially because you're going to have people that, you know, totally, you know, you know, sweaty, try hard the crafting uh, and and really push that. So they're like, you know, master weaponsmiths and master armorsmiths and so on and so forth. Right. And you don't have any uniqueness there. That's definitely something I'm looking forward to seeing in Ashes where you have to make some choices. Do I really want to? you know, spend my points in a gathering or a processing skill or a crafting skill mm. or, and, and is that in, you know, going to be a way that I can um, have the best path. And that's maybe something I'm curious about for ashes is I may not be able to be a master. I don't know. Weaponsmith. If I, don't max out the respective processing and gathering skills. I don't know if that is possible and that's how they would create interdependency or it's, I can't necessarily make that really good sword without having somebody that's doing leather working in my hip pocket or a friend or a guildie or so on. So that's the piece that I'm really not sure. I mean, what I would like to see um, is is a trade-off in terms of moving between specializations as opposed to like within a specialization. So if I'm going in and wanting to level up weaponsmithing, okay, well, my gathering skill has to be like mining and my processing skill needs to be smelting. If I try to add a bunch of points into those others just so I can get the better materials? Am I going to sacrifice how high I can get in terms of quality? And that's the part that I'm still on the fence on, on whether or not I would like to see that in Ashes mm -hmm. or whether or not I would say, okay, you know, if I, if I really only have a finite number of points, am I better off just really trying to work on scaling up my crafting tree and then depending on mm -hmm. others to kind of get those other things. Because at the end of the day, that's going to be a much more grindy process to do it that way than just allowing somebody enough points to reach decent amount of tiers in those trees. But I wouldn't want somebody that's maybe really good at, I don't know, weaponsmithing to also be able to be really good at, you know, fletching or you know, something that isn't necessarily related to that same end game or end crafting tree. You know what, Half Tilt Shares thoughts before I kind of warble on for a little bit because I got some thoughts too. <laughs> I I haven't played New World. I don't know if I will at this point, but yeah. I, I really like what you talked about there, Daedalus, about the gathering and being able to just go up and there's a tree, let me pull up my axe and chop it down and collect it. I think that is incredibly immersive. I love that idea. And that was one of the things that drove me nuts in the Alpha 1. And I know the gathering in Alpha 1 has absolutely no bearing on what is the final product intended to be. It was simply there as a means to feed the rudimentary crafting mm -hmm. system that they had uh, put in the game. It was a very basic iteration of it. But I love that idea. Keep the visual cues in the environment such as, hey, I see some blue gems coming out of that rock. I'm going to mine it and maybe I'll get something other than stone. Assuming my pickaxe and my, my gathering level is high enough or my mining level is high enough, you know. 
Um, I yeah. think that is the way to do it, that you can go and interact with anything. Now, in a world the size of Ashes, is that going to be very difficult to code that everything is harvestable to an extent? Probably. Uh, I don't know what the world size is between, uh, as a comparison between Ashes intended size and New World's world size, but that feels like a lot to have that entire environment interactable in that way that it provides a quantity of a resource that you're able to keep. And then how does that rock that you mine just magically reappear again somewhere else? If it's the side of a mountain you're cut, cutting into, does that, does that just refill over time? Or like, I don't know. There's certain things in there that I, I can see why they have specific spawn points for resources. And I know they've talked about having um, harvestable nodes as well as um, a concentration, like uh, a, a mineral vein versus just a mining node where you can go and harvest things so you can get a lot more hits out of it and a lot more resources right. out of it. And then in time, those resources will move around the area of relevance where they belong, so to speak. I, I know they've talked about that as the kind of the intended system, but I love the idea of being able to like, hey, there's a tree. Why can't I chop it down? Yeah. Why do I have to go to the one over there that's sparkling versus this one here that looks exactly the same in the same forest? Certain things like that, absolutely, I think... Um, should be a little bit more free for all. Um, as far as leveling professions go, I and a dependence on others, there's that that's always going to kind of be a thing. Gathering would probably be the only exception to that because you can build your own tools, which I think is great. I, I I would hate the idea of having to rely on other professions to build your tools to be able to do your profession. That that seems silly to me. So I like the mm -hmm. idea that you can create your own tools or find your own tools. Gathering is really the only one that doesn't depend on having having gathered materials to process or having processed materials to craft. So there's always going to be a little bit of a dependency there as you get into the higher tiers. So my understanding of the system as its current intention is you're going to be able to master one of the three trees, gathering, processing, crafting you can do all three of them up to a certain degree, but you will not be able to get, hit a mastery level. So once you get into that mastery level of a certain profession, now you're gonna require the higher tier resources that only other masters can provide you. From like, if you're a master weaponsmith, you're gonna need certain rare materials for recipes in that mastery that are gonna require mastery and the processing that are going to require mastery from gathering in order to harvest them. And I think that's where an economy comes in and will be really important. And I know they're bringing in uh, professional economists and all that to make sure that, you know, this stuff is really well flowing and you don't hit that saturation level that other games hit, which I think is excellent. And that will go a long way into this. I really don't like the idea of sitting there and spamming the same recipe over and over and over again to level up uh, your profession. I think that's silly. I remember in Skyrim sitting there crafting iron daggers for days on end so I could master out my skill and then just craft the best weapon in the game. Seems silly to me. I, remember, I know in WoW, the big part of leveling up your professions was craft 30 bracelets of these because they... They're orange for this long and they use the fewest materials. I, I, I really don't like that way of leveling things up. I hope to see a little bit more diversity in how you level up your 
professions. I don't know what that's going to look like exactly because I don't have a lot of other games to pull on. I know Star Wars Galaxies is a huge influence uh, for this crafting system. Not to say it's going to be a mirror of it, but I know yeah. a lot of ideas are seeded from there. I've never played the game, so I don't know what that looks like exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another talking point on this uh, as well in, in regards to uh, stats and everything. Like when when you're crafting a piece of gear as your skill level improves i would like to see more control come in over what the results of that gear are i think daedalus you meant you talked about rng uh in crafting i i cannot stand rng in crafting i think in early levels like if i if i'm a low level weaponsmith and i'm trying to craft a fairly high for me uh level weapon probably there's going to be an element of RNG and what those final results are. And I might, it might take a few tries to hit something that's kind of what I'm looking for, uh, for a usable item. But as my skill level gets higher and I approach what that level of that weapon is, then maybe I have a bit more control over what that is. And that element of RNG comes out of it. And that to me is where mastery comes in, not just because I can, I can have access to the recipe, but because I've spent the time to level up this skill to true mastery, like to max it out kind of thing, I actually have the best control over what the final result is going to be. And therefore I can produce an item that I can sell to somebody or, or give to somebody if, if it's a guildy. And, and that's, you know, that brings prestige, that brings value. We're going to be able to put our name stamps on finished goods. Right, like this. This weapon was crafted by so and so. It'll be like a signature, if you will. They've talked about that. So to be able to put that on something, so when somebody inspects it and it's like, holy crap, like that thing has got the the beefy stats. Did you get that through pure RNG or did somebody actually beast mode that for you? And it's like, no, 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 no. So, so half tilt crafted this sword for me. Yeah, and he's like maxed out in this skill. Go check him out. he's expensive because he's the best and put the time in, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to be a weaponsmith, but that I want to see that kind of system where you are rewarded for putting in the time and effort to bring that skill to its max. And that's to me is how you do it. Definitely feel like this is a very important point because, you know, one of the, the beautiful things about Ash as a creation is that the potential to be that person Who's known for making that sword with that stat combo, with those skills, whatever, the stat blocks that they've got, that person is the person that knows how to make it. Like they've refined their trade. They've, they refined their craft. They specialize in making, and they've gone up and they've chosen the specific pathway where that is a possibility. Right. And so that's the thing within Ashes of Creation is the potential for that kind of specialization and that prestige in, in mastering your craft exists in this game. Whereas in some other games, like, look, you've, we've mentioned other games like at the Elder Scrolls Online, right? You can do everything. I'm a nine trait crafter, master crafter. I can do them all. Right. You got to have traits to be able to go and craft at certain stations. If you're not at least a six trait crafter, meaning you've unlocked six traits for a specific piece of gear, you can't, a piece of gear being like a helmet, you can't unlock six pieces. You can't craft a helmet at that station, right? So I could have six unlocked for a helmet, five unlocked for the gloves. I go to the station. I can, I can craft the helmet. I can't craft the gloves. So if you're looking for set bonuses, you need someone who's got at least, at least six pieces 
to use that station for at least five different pieces of gear. Otherwise, they can't get make you a set of gear that will give you the bonuses for full five pieces. But here's the thing. Everybody can do it. And the unfortunate truth at this time is that pay for convenience is in there. You can go into the cash shop and you can expedite crafting things. You know, you're getting through the, the research phase faster. To be fair, it's not just something you can purchase. It's also a daily login reward bonus that you get sometimes in your monthly thing, along with all the other things, right? You know, so it's unfortunate because as take take the fact that you can fast track it, whatever out of the equation, right? If you could do everything on a character, then you don't need anyone else. So it is convenient. It does make life a little easier for me to maybe craft all my own stuff. But I always question, well, then in regard to the the marketplace, right, how how much greater would it be if you actually had to? Because I don't I hardly ever see people talking about you never see someone going nine trait crafter, you know, your mats. You know what I mean? Free with your mats, blah, blah, blah. Tips. Welcome. You don't see that. You don't see anything like that. Like I don't. Maybe I did in the beginning of the game's launch. It was there when people were researching and only certain people had certain, you know, maybe they were focusing on their light and, you know, light armor and, and medium armor, you know, doing those stations versus like the woodworking stations or the blacksmithing stations. In the beginning, people were focused on specific ones first, but eventually it gets unlocked where everybody has it. Now that's not, that's not there anymore. There were some people talking here too, you know, like Star Wars Galaxies. A lot of people reference that game. It's an amazing crafting system. I never played it, but I've seen some pretty good breakdowns from people in the community, like about that game and its crafting system. Lore is a good example of somebody who's done that. He's like broken it down. He had a dock. It was for certain people's eyes only. I got to look at it. It was pretty legit. Really good breakdown of how the crafting in that game works. It's very intricate. It's very meaningful to be a crafter in that game, clearly. And your reliance on other people who specialized in a craft was was there. And that interdependence, I think, is going to be vital to Ash as a creation. Whether you're just talking about crafting or you're talking about trade in general, I think it's going to be important. Because I would be mind blown if there weren't going to be people refining specific goods that are components that are needed in you know very intricate designs or schematics. Um, so anyway... Uh, I also th I think it's uh, important that there is some interdependence on other crafting professions, but not in regard to being able to, at a base level, craft your own, doing your own tree. Like I should be able to have the tools for my, for my tree and it should come from me. Cause if I, you know what I mean? Cause otherwise you create a barrier of entry into even getting started, you know, based on someone else. And then it's like kind of, uh, kind of can feel kind of scummy sometimes because people can be kind of shit about that. Right. Not everybody, but people can be, um, definitely encourage people to go to our discord, go into the ashes of creation channel, go into our ashes discussion channel, share your, share your feedback and thoughts because like, quite frankly, friends, it, it's going to be like this forever. By the way, we've always been a community focused podcast. We take your thoughts and feedback. We discuss those things in the show. So if you've got a really great discussion point around crafting, trading, all the layers, all the game pillars of ashes, join the discord, discord.gg forward slash some org. Go in there, go to the ashes pathfinder channel, 
submit a, a, a topic for the show if you'd like us to cover it. Uh, go into the Ashes discussion or the Ashes Pathfinder channel. Share your thoughts, your feedback. Bring up points, man. Like, sometimes we miss things. We don't catch all the things in the forums or in the Discord for Ashes of Creation. Right? We, we, if this is a great place to drop those little tidbits that you're like, hey, guys, gals, really would be cool to see you all explore this stuff. We, we love it, man. And the devs do listen to the podcast in the community, which means, you know, it's another opportunity to share your feedback. It's an opportunity for us to take your thoughts, your feedback, share it with the devs when they come on the show, because they do from time to time. And it's all around good for conversation because we're all waiting on this game to launch, right? And hey, man, go ahead, preemptively have some discussions, like put our brains together. You know, because they'll pop these dev discussions up and we get to go hammer them down with our thoughts and like where we kind of stand and develop some really fun consensus and sometimes some very big differences in opinions, too. Um, so question, gentlemen. We we kind of hit on it briefly. We're going to kind of hit on it briefly again here. But you talked about the dependency crafters should have on other players. Right. What about. What kind of dependency should they have on other players generally? And where would we want to draw the line? Should there be uh, a limitation on leveling up our craft if we don't, you know, at some point have to interact with traders, other crafters for components? At what point should maybe that become a, a layer of concern for the crafter where they do need to interact with other people who specialize in a specific thing for crafting some of the things they do at that top tier maybe yeah i have a yeah i have a few points on this and kind of that made me think of something else but my my concern with having a really high level of dependency because it is going to be a balance there's a few things that you're going to need, right, in order to craft. And and again, that's why I see so many parallels in New World, because I, I kind of feel like I've heard these ideas before as um, Intrepid has talked about their crafting system, mm-hmm. right? But in terms of, again, just using the New World references, assuming there wasn't everybody can do everything, type of scenario right um in the long term definitely not short term and in the long term is you first need materials right so you need a gathering skill you need to be able to process those materials um and then in order to craft you also maybe you know you have some basic crafting available at your crafting station but you need to find a recipe in order to craft that item plus in order to craft something, you need the required resources, the required skill, and a certain level of crafting station, right? So I, I, I kind of like that component of it um, because, you, again, you have to have a few things. And there is some dependency on players that might have a higher gathering skill, for example, to get you materials to level up. But... That's where I think we just have to have a fine line because if you have too much interdependency at those lower levels, it's going to yes. create kind of a stopgap mm. uh, for people really trying to focus crafting. But if you make it too easy, then it has the opposite effect, right? Then 
those higher level crafters aren't as relevant. So that'd be something that I would really want the team to test. And, and there were some some of the things you said, half tells I just maybe wanted to also add on to. I really don't like the idea of having any RNG in crafting at all. And here's the way I would get around um, potentially, you know, some of what you were saying, say, hey, this this being an achievement, right? There's the idea of stats being random, say, wow, right? Which is terrible. It means I have to craft XYZ item a hundred times in order to get the stats that are my stats. So I'm okay with stats being something you can define at a lower level of crafting skill. But one of the other things that I think might be cool is if you have like rare materials plus skill, then you might be able to add and have like a slider around perks, right? And that's mm -hmm. something that, again, I feel like New World does well, is that you have an ability to add perks. Now, granted, they're, the way they've implemented that isn't necessarily ideal, right? There's still like, okay, if I have an item and set skill, I can do it. Um, but it's not necessarily something that I'm really choosing. I just get it by default because those items are you know readily available for the most part. But I would like to be able to see that in crafting because that makes it to me pretty interesting to say, okay, well, if I have this rarer item and I also have like a hundred armor smithing skill, maybe I can add, you know, I can create like a strength and constitution set of armor, but I can also have a perk that maybe helps with uh, my ability to use XYZ skill, right? So I think that would be really good yeah um and then one of the other things too that i i remember from the ashes alpha that i hope they don't carry through is the idea of losing a recipe like i need to purchase said yeah. recipe multiple times in order to make it i would <laughs> nail it yeah as a certain <laughs> at a certain level right my memory isn't that terrible that i know how to make <laughs> that really cool sword that i got the recipe for right so that I mean, I assume that's placeholder. Yeah. Please, God, let it be placeholder because that would drive <laughs> me up the wall. Because if I got this really cool recipe and then I can only make it once, maybe a way around that is like, okay, you can make it once, but, or not say once only, but you can make it one time and then there's a cooldown in order for you to make it again so that you're not having people craft out these like god epics or you know for that matter god legendaries right all the time um but still i mean i don't think legendary should even be in that category but at nah. least if it's something more powerful right there's some sort of like ability to control how many of those are in the world without saying oh well now you have to go rng and try to find the recipe again um but what I would like to see um, here, and then as you guys were talking, I was thinking about it. I want depth in the trees too. I just, I don't want to be able to like in a gathering tree mm -hmm. or a crafting tree, just skill up. Okay. Then I get certain recipes and I'm kind of done with it, but I feel like build on a good base. So I'm just thinking of tailoring, right? Just having at a certain level, I'm just a basic tailor, right? I can make, different types of cloth gear etc cetera, etc cetera. but then i might spec into embroidery that means 
you know, I might have something more stylistically cool, but at the same time, it gives me some different perks. And then at the end of the tree, I might have like an ability to, you know, be at a flourish level. Now I've got even more powerful perks, um, again, from time investment to be able to get something really special. But again, in order for me to get to that point, I need rare materials, maybe from like dungeons or other people that have really maxed out their gathering or processing skills. Those are the kind of things that I think that would really give the system some depth um, versus strictly just grinding until I get XYZ skill and now I can make this or I find a recipe and I've grinded XYZ skill. I just It's, again, a way to get people to interact with each other um, as opposed to it being like, well, we're just going to have a bunch of people funnel somebody or funnel a bunch of people some crafting materials and then everybody's like a master, right? There's got to be some give and take. And, and I would prefer if there is RNG in crafting that it's more at finding the materials, finding the recipes versus, okay, I'm at a crafting station. Let me roll the dice and see if I get something that I'm going to just, you know, toss back into the fire and destroy or it's something that I can actually use or somebody that's giving me materials is, is actually going to be able to use. Mm -hmm. I saw a comment in chat too right now. Everyone has love legendary. It's not very legendary. I'm a big, right. I'm a big proponent of like, you know, you go and you get a schematic, you learn it. And now I have the knowledge through my experience of crafting it. That as a crafter, as as someone who's developing their, you know, their their craft, like their their mastery in something, you learn to create one thing, then another, then another, and you have you have the cumulative knowledge of a variety of different things that you can craft, and you're not having to look at a damn schematic or a guide every time. Like I don't envision a, a guy or gal behind a a blacksmith right with a hammer behind like a blacksmith station with an anvil and a hammer hammering away going every for forever going i need to look at how many of these i need to craft this sword no at a certain point you've crafted the sword you craft it again you craft it again you have you know how to craft your sword so i'm big on purchase a schematic to learn and then through experience you craft and you create them right and I mean, I would even be cool with the idea of like, hey, I got the schematic right and I have to craft so many of them before it's then a learned, uh, you know, like a learned pattern schematic or whatever. That's cool. I don't mind that at all. But like, and I'm also a big proponent of like dropped, you know, schematics or like patterns or whatever in the world, right? That you you find hidden somewhere. You know, whether it's looted through a chest or, you know, it's it's you know, drops off a boss, you know, whatever. We already know that like the, the rarest materials in the game are dropping off of those raid bosses and stuff, right? Well, okay, cool. So I know that, the, you know, I'm going to get the best materials in the game. It's not always going to be the best gear drops off the raid boss. It's going to be the best materials needed to make the best gear drops off the raid boss. You know, super good focus on crafting and trade, etc. So schematics, like some of the best ones, just make them drop. Make some of them purchasable from specific domains like you've got to have traveled or know someone who has traveled 
to a specific area in the world. Maybe, hell, maybe even at a specific time when a specific area has this thing unlocked, right? And then through node wars, et cetera, the node degradation, whatever you want to call it, this this potential schematic that is now known to the community that we know on our server drops over here from this boss, but that boss isn't available anymore because now the node's been sieged, another node's risen up. Now the only way we know on the server we're gonna get that thing to potentially drop is if we get that node back, right? Player agency, meaningfulness to conflict. I mean, this this ties into, it's all encompassing for me. It's not a difficult thing. They've evidenced that this isn't necessarily a difficult design uh, structure. It's just, you know, the layers that seem so difficult and unrealistic to people when you really look at it, like we've seen a lot of this stuff, it exists, it's already out there, right? You could even look at New World in, in, in a rudimentary way, the node system sort of exists there to a degree. Like it's not the same level of Ashes of Creation, but it, it's not a foreign construct or concept to be, uh, you know, put into a game. We've seen it before in other games too. A lot of these different things like recipes dropping, like how you learn them, how you craft it, where you get the materials, like. All this stuff we're talking about, what are going to be the best practices, ashes of creation to adhere to their vision and deliver upon all the stuff and things they said that we're to expect from them. So. And that's huge for the, the caravan system too, because yeah. they've talked about, you know, you might gather all these materials from a couple different places in the world, and it has to be the specific node, has to be a metropolis to have unlocked this world boss or this raid dungeon that has the boss that has a small chance to drop this item. But then you might have to travel completely across the world with all of those rare materials in your caravan to be able to craft the item because you won't be able to craft it at any crafting station, especially legendary stuff. There's going to be specific areas where you can level up a crafting station to build the item. So there's that element of risk and reward. There's tying in um the caravan system and how everything kind of is an ouroboros it's a little circular in how everything works now you know absolutely i agree i i i cannot stand the fact that your schematic would get consumed as someone who built robots for a living for a while you know i made pancakes this morning from a <laughs> recipe from scratch i guarantee you i did not put the recipe in the pancakes it's still there on the counter i could go use it again <laughs> you know when I had drawings, when I had schematics, electrical or mechanical to build a robot, guess what? They got pinned up on the board and I just read them as I followed yeah. the steps. They did not get built into yeah. the robot. Yeah. So taped to the back or something. Yeah. You know, like if it's a mold, if you have to get a mold for it to, uh. to, to mold a weapon, absolutely. I could see that being destroyed in the process absolutely that is one of the material components yeah. the recipe goes in a recipe book that recipe book can then be shared and advertised to market your services that's the that, that that's where you build a crafting economy from or a processing economy hey i'm looking for a processor to process this epic material for me does anybody have it yes i do i can do that at your will, and then boom, you build a relationship. There's, I can absolutely see whether it's in guild or intra guild relationships being built for goods and services and trade. 
it's like, hey, I have this guy that supplies me with all my processed mm-hmm. goods so that I can craft this stuff. Yeah. Like, we're a team. We do this together. You pay 20,000 gold for the finished product. I pay X mm-hmm. amount to him or her for the materials. They pay X amount to the gatherer that gathered those materials for them to process them. It, like, And it doesn't even have to go through an auction house since auction houses are going to be very localized anyway, with the exception of metropolis economic notes. So uh, that, that interdependency becomes very important and being able to sit there and say, yes, I have a recipe that can do this. I can do this as long as you supply me with the materials or if you help me transport the goods, I will meet you there at this place. And, and that is how a lot of things can be built and a lot of sabotage can happen because to try and take out that caravan and steal some of those materials. Right. That's the point of the game. That's one of the pillars of the game. You don't yep. like that if that's too risky for you. If you're going to flip your table and burn your computer and toss it out the window because you just got jacked of your materials that you spent a month farming, well, maybe Ashes isn't going to be the game for you. Go play WoW or something. But that that's one of the key aspects of the game. So I think having those components in there is very important. Um, yeah. I saw what Magisto said. I'm going to pose this. I actually think this is an interesting question. My thoughts about it, but not sure i like the uh inf- the recipe to be infinite once you obtain it i'd like to see a cooldown or something of sort otherwise one person has a recipe and they can make the item an infinite amount of times thoughts my thoughts are even if they can they still have to have the resources and if it is a rare item being crafted with the said recipe then it's still i mean it's not going to come easy to be able to craft it so i'd yeah Unless you have like a lot of people pulling resources together and giving it to you so you can craft it for a bunch of people or whatever. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I mean, there was something that like, as I was reading chat, there was a few things, right, that kind of came came up. But I'll maybe summarize less like a couple of the key things. Is you, you want to make crafting an investment, an investment that's worth something because, you know, crafting is something that's very player agency focused, but you don't want to make it so difficult that people decide I'd rather just raid instead of craft, right? Or do X, Y, Z content instead of craft. Cause you need that in order for the economy to be healthy, you need to have a relevant crafting system. And so if people are more focused on like just doing content and grinding content, you know, until they get XYZ gear because it's air quotes, you know, easier or the path of least resistance versus crafting. I think that just does a disservice to crafting. Um, I don't mind the idea of a cooldown, definitely. I mean, that was something that I was thinking of too that might make sense versus just destroying the recipe. Um, but but I do feel like you you do need to strike a good balance because I do want crafting if you really invest your time in mm. to be on par, if not better than what you can get out of a dungeon, because, you know, generally you're spending an equivalent, if not more time, right. If crafting is done right in like a crafting profession versus going in and killing a boss, right. You could spend months getting your crafting skill yeah. up, I don't necessarily see like, you know, rating 
to be like many months. I mean, you might have several weeks of wiping to a boss, et cetera, but I don't necessarily see that as many months of a process. And plus there's other factors too. I can just go, go in on a weekly basis to show up and have a chance at a boss to, to, to down it with crafting there's a lot of other factors, right? There's going to be interdependency with other players. There's going to be, you know, finding the right rare materials. There's going to be having the right level of crafting station. There's the investment to get to the said level of craft. So it's a lot, there's a lot more complexity there, at least the way I view it versus just going in and, you know, killing a boss. Now, granted, I'm oversimplifying that. I mean, I, I know there's strategy. I know there's preparation that's done, et cetera, to do that. But I think they're just on different levels, in my opinion. I, I here's my 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 position on a cooldown. If you re require a cooldown on the recipe, are the materials too plentiful? In in a game like Ashes, yeah. where we have where we have a lot of materials that are gated behind node development in different regions. If you can go in there and farm those crafting materials so hard that you need to put a cooldown on the recipe, because I, I I think there absolutely needs to be a barrier there for from an economic standpoint. If you have the best gear flooding the market, it's devalued so much that everybody can get it. Yeah. Or it's so freaking expensive that one now that this small group of people that are are pushing these out are just super wealthy and they're going to own an economic node <laughs> basically. Um, but I, I think that that needs to be that that's where the balance comes in is, is the, are the materials so plentiful now because let like, if we're talking legendary gear here, from what I understand their stances on it, like you're going to have to get components from various parts of the world. Like it's not going to be an easy thing to do. Potentially, you could buy those materials from other guilds and other groups from around the world. They still have to be transported to a common location. And if that in any way comes mm -hmm. under siege in those caravans, you have the potential of losing those outright or losing them to another party who might double the price. You want it? Cool. Instead of paying 10,000 gold for it, now you're going to pay 30. <laughs> I know that's not double, that's triple. I can do the math, but I'm rambling. <laughs> um, so I think one of the two angles, absolutely, something needs to be there to gate how many you're going to put into the economy, um, how they implement that. I'm cool with it either way. But if it's a cooldown scenario and recipes are learnt and not consumed, it now becomes, a, hey, I have a cooldown available. Okay, now this guy has a cooldown available. And then that person has a cooldown available. Now that she's got a cooldown available. And all of a sudden, you've got 20 people that have cooldowns available over the course of six months you know acquiring the recipes and everything mm. now you can just go around the rotation and still pump them out you can still produce as many as you need to produce because there's always a cooldown available um legendary stuff will be interesting now i know they've talked about raid gear versus crafted gear both like top tier is going to be on the same level i i really hope it's not a thing of okay the boss can either drop this sword or they can drop a key material component to be able to craft the sword no, no, no. If the boss drops the sword, they also have a chance, or alternatively have a chance, to drop a crafting material that you can use to craft maybe the shield that goes with it. So you require 
you know, if, if you're talking set items and you got six set items, maybe three of those are dropped by bosses, different bosses around the world versus three of them have to be crafted from materials that are dropped from a different three bosses around the world. So it requires a lot, like from a legendary uh, angle, requires a lot more time and energy investment. And it's not a, okay, well, you have a chance, just sit here and farm the boss and eventually you'll be decked out. Because then it makes the crafting system moot. For some guilds that choose to take that approach. Or it makes those crafting materials uh, so rare and valuable that only the elite few can actually afford them. And that becomes a gold issue. So, I mean, I'm a spitballing ideas here. Call, call me on uh, my shit if I'm wrong. But that that's kind of where my head goes to when I think about a system like that. I want to see it so that you require both systems together to be able to become fully decked out. Not, not a one or the other in that scenario. Because in the end, both of them serve the same purpose. If, you're, if, if it's endgame rating that's supplying either the crafting materials or the gear, all you're requiring is the masteries to be able to process that crafted goods. It's not like you have to turn around and go do arenas at the, utmost, at the highest tier to get that gear. I think that can have its own component that way to acquire gear through PVP. I don't think, I don't want to see you have to be forced to do PVP or PVE, but this way it just keeps a healthy economy and a health, healthy community system going. And Ashes needs that in order for the node wheel to turn. And we already know that with the, with the uh, PVP, uh, even caravan system itself, right? You have sort of like a seasonal ladder and based on your progression through the ladder, you will have the ability to essentially pur purchase like, we don't know exactly what, but like, whether it's like socketable runes or something of that nature, they've talked about before that's specific to that ladder. So, I mean, that stuff already sort of exists, you know, um, I did, I did see some from three ether here in, in discord made some notes, which was really interesting talking about like some of the in new world, they talked about something called shock bulbs, being able to gather on that, like. They didn't really have sparkles, but there's definitely like an aura to them. So they stand out, which I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. Um, the Elder Scrolls, you sort of get like this glowing mist that comes off of things. World of Warcraft had sparkles. Um, the mist in, in the Elder Scrolls, like I think when you when you play it enough, for the most part, you can sort of identify the herbs and the wood and the ore nodes and things just by knowing what it looks like eventually. Um, there was some talk about two in there about what about requiring two crafters with the same recipe to make really special items. Yeah. Or nay, that one's pretty, that's a pretty interesting one. And I think that's going to be kind of the one we're going to finalize our conversation with here on crafting a, col a collab item, a collab item or items for a single item. That's an interesting. You idea. make the hilt. I'll make the blade. A woodworking blacksmithing sort of thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what do you all think about that and chat obviously listeners people that watch that listen to it very very curious you know we, we've hit on a lot of different things P people in chat here today are clearly you know divided in their opinions and this is great great because we're having you know respectful discourse and this is the good stuff we can have discussions and conversations and brainstorm ideas of like well hey this works or i don't like this and why not and why does this work why doesn't it work well here's examples of where it works and, and how it works well here's examples of where it it was a bad time no i don't want it 
this is the beauty of this show. This com the conversations that we have here, man. The game may not be out yet, but it's on its way, and we're getting we're getting a taste of the systems already. And you're sure as hell gonna get a whole lot of that in Alpha Two, friends. So it's a good it's a good time. It's always a good time in game development to have conversations around what works and what doesn't, and to share that because the devs do pay attention to this stuff. And more importantly, yeah, and more importantly, probably the most important factor that I have to share today, you're giving me great content for the show. So thanks. Keep it coming. During the dark times, we need this. So you keep it going, friends. It isn't really that dark of a time. Just thought I'd get a little laugh in there. Y'all are laughing, right? Ninja moment. What? Huh? Totally. October <laughs> after all. <laughs> ooh, 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 yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, ha I have one more point, and, and mm. it's going back to the RNG aspect in crafting. I'm yeah. going to use WoW as an example. Sure. So, I re like let's let's say you're crafting bracers, green or blue. The blue and up stuff was typically a set recipe, but the green stuff, especially for low level, if I remember correctly, it wasn't so much that the like the value of the stats were random, but that the affix was random of the eagle, of the monkey, of the bear, of the whale or whatever that you would have a chance to get now to some of those yeah they were absolute trash throw them back in the fire delete them sell them to the npc whatever they were but some of them would roll like you get an of the eagle roll and all of a sudden like this green item is actually something that i can go and put up on the auction house yeah now because now it's it, it's desirable if you have the ability to choose that, that devalues it to the point where everybody just has that and you don't craft any of the other ones. Even if you require different materials for the different affixes, it, it just becomes so plentiful in the market that that's the, if, if that's the one that every rogue needs, that's the only one that's ever going to get crafted for them. And, and it takes a material sink out of the game. So I think that was a way of uh, having a material sink in the game. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's a great fit or necessary. And depending how, yeah, metagear stats, exactly. It, depending how crafting is implemented in Ashes, it may or may not have a play there. But I think that was kind of the intent or design purpose behind having that element of RNG in the crafting is it's a way to sink the materials out of the economy by having that crappy item have a chance be out there and when you do hit that good one now you have a chance because you produced a rare item to actually profit and make make some good money off that whereas if you get to choose it if every crafter gets to choose that item because it's the hot the hot desirable stat now all of a sudden how do you value that it's not worth anything anymore and you lose that profit value and you don't have a a, a sink anymore for for mats because you're not crafting the ones that are trash that nobody likes yeah but you can solve that by making crafting materials more rare i mean one thing that wow has is it always needs a sink right yeah. if it's yes like, yes it does it, if it's a friggin bazillion dollar brontosaurus mount because people have <laughs> billions of gold Jeez. or if it's like you know i mean it to me that's just terrible design right make the materials rare um you know, you're going to have, in, I would expect in Ashes, the materials are going to be rarer. There is going to be competition over those materials in the sense of like in WoW, somebody can go mine a node like two feet ahead of me and I can go mine the node, you know, two seconds later. 
the same exact node and get similar amounts of materials. So in, in WoW, I mean, it works because it's compounding their albeit terrible design. It was With a necessity the, in WoW. Right. It was a necessity in WoW. So I actually, I, I think it was Alfina. Yeah, absolutely. You and I on the same level. I do not want RNG and crafting like ever. Right. Make it harder for me to get the materials to craft XYZ of the Eagle, mm-hmm. but don't make it like I have to craft 50 of these to get the right stat. That is just, it, it's taking, you know, crafting out in the back and shooting it. I mean, it's, it's not going to be a desirable experience for anyone. The goal here is to get people to work together. And by working together, it's you make materials rare. I need to communicate with somebody to get the right materials. I need to get communicate with somebody to get it processed accordingly. And then I can make the crafting thing or, um, you know, and so on. And cl- crafting collaboration, I like to a point, but I wouldn't necessarily do it at the lower levels as much, right? I would do it more at the higher levels when you have higher tier resources, because that, again, means you need crafters. You need people that invested in their craft in order to make these really good items. Mm-hmm. And that will help you gain item rarity without having RNG BS. Yeah. yeah. I, I like to, to backpedal a moment here. I'm not saying that Ashes needs RNG in stats. I was just saying are oh, you, yeah, that, yeah. that is kind of where I see its purpose in a des- from a design standpoint. Mm. Ashes is going to have other item sinks, mostly on death. <laughs> um, that, that are going to be very relevant and play play a big part in the game. So we'll see how that goes in time with caravans and just general open world death. Because it doesn't have to be PvP death. You could just die to a monster and you you could lose half the shit you're holding. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. we, we were all there in Alpha 1. It happened. <laughs> you didn't die in Alpha 1. You weren't playing hard enough. Right. It's a true statement. But yeah, I, I don't really, like, I would prefer to not have RNG. If I was going to have any RNG, it would be possibly like, okay, you have a chance to get between 7 and 10 dexterity on your roll if you're a low-level crafter. But you're going to get dexterity because you choose it. Now, we already know that's kind of not going to be a thing because crafters are supposed to also have the ability to choose their weighting in stats. So there might be a little bit more of a variance there. Like, you ever, you guys ever play a golf game or something? where you have the swing timer and you have your sweet spot that you have to hit the button in at the right time to hit the power. There might be kind of a, an RNG element like that, like where you, you're looking for that sweet spot with your, but you get to choose your weighting where that sweet spot's going to be so that, okay, I want more intellect on these bracers. So I'm going to move that slider to the max. It could roll between seven to 10, but everything else could roll three to six, you know? And so I could see that being a thing at lower level crafting. Mm. Am I a fan of it? Eh, maybe because it does it does add a diff, an additional piece of value to those higher crafted gears when you hit the, you get that dopamine rush from hitting that x x like everything rolled max. This is perfect. This is <laughs> this is the gear. Uh, do I wear it or do I sell it? Shit. This is a hard decision. Choices. You know, yeah. uh, so I could see it from that, but that's as far as I would want to see RNG go into crafting. Yeah, I'm I'm not advocating for it from my previous speech. I think that's just, as you said, there's other design issues with WoW that that became a necessity for how that system was was built and it worked for that system. I don't want to see it in Ashes. You know, 
What a good segue into what we're going to talk about next week. I've decided. I know what we're talking about next week. It's been one of the agenda components. You guys are both smiling already. They don't even know. They're just like, oh, what's he going to say? No. Sieges, man. I think we need to talk about sieges. I think we need to have some reflections on the way sieges have gone. Sieges that work. Sieges that don't. We know what they're aiming for. We've, we've heard the ambitious Steven talk about them. We've seen them in practice in the alpha test environment. But you know what we haven't really done a whole lot of since alpha? We haven't really broken down like the yay or nays on that. I do have some nays. I don't know why we're getting to that now, but we're we're I got some nays. I got a few nays. I got some yays, but I got some nays. And I think I've got some reference points too. Now there's people that have played Dark Age of Camelot. People have played a lot of other games, world versus world content. Like people have played like large scale uh, sieges and things like that. We play like Elder Scrolls Online, which obviously has a lot of flavor from Dark Age of Camelot. I do have some thoughts around it. We we've talked about it, but we haven't really talked about like, man, what was you what you we talked a lot about combat, right? Fluidia combat, the server performance, all of that. It, we've talked about a little bit of takeaways from the crafting system now. I think it's a good time to talk about sieges. I think it's a good time to talk about some of the sieges, takeaways from sieges, good frames of reference. So put on your hats, friends. Those of you that are listening, now I noticed a few of you jumped into our Discord, have been contributing. You're all welcome in, man, okay? I cover the Elder Scrolls Online, Ashes of Creation uh, specifically. We got a little bit of other things in there, variety of gaming, but we, we like podcasting. We got podcast stuff in there. Um, but more specifically, if you listen to this podcast, you watch it, you're not in there. I do think you're missing out. You're missing out on a lot of good conversation that happens in between shows, right? After Ashes does its like newest showcases. We we watch the um, live streams usually live in Discord. I usually go live after. We gather our thoughts and bring them to the show. Be part of that process, man. Join us, discord.gg forward slash some org. Jump in there. Check out the Ashes channels. I'm probably going to be adding some more soon around specific uh, elements of the game, systems of the game. Uh, class discussions as well, long term. But um, <laughs> after uh, one of the brontosaurus and sieges, could you imagine a behemoth siege uh, summon that was used like that? And brontosauruses were actually ashes. But anyway, Trojan brontosaurus. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. But yes, I want to invite everybody in. Right. I know it's a little quiet out there in the ashes community. I know that there's not a lot of. A lot of content being produced. I know there's not a lot of discussions happening, a lot of live streams happening, but friends, we're here every week. We've got a thriving community for Ashes. We have for years and years now, and we will be for years and years to come. Don't be shy. Jump in. Share your thoughts. You know where we're going, what we've been talking about. Definitely share your thoughts. We we take those feedback pieces from the, the, the Discord, from your comments on the YouTube videos, and... Share your thoughts around the podcast if you listen to it too. If you're listening and you're not in there, join us. You know, there's no no time like the present to get dug into ashes and to share your thoughts and to communicate it here with us on the show. And with that being said, I'll piggyback off of that in a second, gentlemen. Any final thoughts before we wind this one down? Oh, well, good discussion. Always. I'm ready for pie. <laughs> what kind of pie? Pumpkin pie. That sounds nice. delicious. Yeah, it okay. does sound delicious. Just cut it in quarters and there you go. 
Get don't some worry, there's no recipe in my pie either. I didn't make it. I bought it, but there's no recipe in there. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it being baked into the crust. You won't bite into it going, why is this paper here? Or whatever they're made right. of on Vera. Who knows? Only time will tell. Friends, it's always a good time. We're going to have Daedalus and Half Tilt shout out their domains where you can find them when they're not here on this show. Daedalus. You can find me on Twitter at The Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash The Ashen Herald. And half tilt. I am on Twitter at half underscore tilt, and you can catch me on Discord, half tilt gamer. Yes. And friends, as we talked about joining us in the conversation, it's important to note something very big here. You don't have to be on the podcast to be an Ashes Pathfinder. Ashes Pathfinders are all of you listening, watching, whether you're here on the show, whether you catch us live, whether you comment on the YouTube videos, or you just listen to the podcast on your drive to work. Doesn't matter. You're part of this journey, right? We're proud to have you, right? Much love to all of you, to Intrepid Studios. And until next time, friends, live your best lives, walk in the light, and have a great night, friends. We'll see you next week. Stay safe, everybody. Have a good, good night, week. everyone.